Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Guys, we're continuing in our study through the Gospel of Luke. We've been calling it Earthwalk, specifically looking at the sacrifice of Jesus. Everything from about chapter 19 all the way up to the end of the chapter is dealing now specifically with Jesus in Jerusalem, headed toward the cross to die for us. And so we've been studying that as we've been going. Here in chapter 20 especially, we've been noticing that Jesus is being challenged by the leaders of the Jewish people there, specifically each one of the groups, they all want to discredit Jesus. They all want to somehow cause him to lose favor with the people or at least find a reason to accuse him so that the Romans can deal with him. At this point, when we get to now verse 41, he's been asked several questions. He's answered all the questions. They've decided now that they're not going to ask him any more questions because he's just too much for them to deal with. He now asks the crowd a question. He asks them a question because what's going on here in this time and age in Jerusalem is that all of them are Jews and they've basically just embraced a way of thinking because, well, they're just Jewish. They don't really know what they're saying. They're just saying it. And so he wants to ask them a question to get them to think a little bit about what the Scripture says concerning the Messiah, actually concerning himself. And then after he poses the question, he gives them a warning. A warning concerning the scribes who were there. Now, as you and I look at this passage, you're probably thinking, okay, well, George, how does that apply to us? Well, here's what we're going to look at today. Here's what we're going to wrestle with when we look at these two different parts of this passage. You and I can get find ourselves in this mode where, okay, I go to church. I identify myself as Christian. I say I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. I sing the hymns. I sing the songs. But when we really get down to the nitty-gritty of what we believe, if somebody really asks us a question, we don't really know how to respond to it. We don't really know what we believe, we haven't really considered it. In fact, for most of us, we just embrace it without being informed, without even considering what it is that we're embracing. And so what Jesus is wanting to challenge them with here, and this is what we're going to look at as we go through this passage, is that you really need to go beneath the surface of just believing on top. You really need to consider what it is that you're believing, especially concerning him. He then follows that up, by giving a warning concerning the religious self-righteous who would trip you up from truly considering who Jesus is. And that's what we're going to see in this passage. We're going to talk about being informed, about embracing what it is that you believe, rather than just saying you believe it. That's really interesting, isn't it? Because how many of you realize that you know that almost 80% of Americans claim to be Christian? Did you know that? How many of you knew that? Statistics show that about 78% of Americans identify themselves as Christians. Would you know that from this world we live in? From interacting with people? Why? It's easy to embrace the title, but the question is, 
do you really know what that means? And that's the challenge of Jesus here today. So let's look at this passage together. We're going to look at verses 41 through 47 of the Gospel of Luke in chapter 20. And he said to them, How can they say that the Christ is the son of David? Now David himself said in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore David calls him Lord. How is he then his son? Then in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, who love greetings in the marketplaces, and the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers, these will receive greater condemnation. What we can do, folks, is we can take this passage and and, and actually just divide it into two sections. We can label the first section as reflection. He wants you to reflect upon where you're at, think about what you believe concerning him, and then we're going to look at the warning. You and I need to be on guard. Okay, so let's look at reflection first of all. Look with me at verse 41. Notice what he says there. Luke records these words of Jesus. And he said to them, how can they say that Christ is the son of David? Here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus wants us to go beyond the party line. He wants us to go beyond the party line. So the party line back then, if you were a true pious Jew back then, if you believed in the Messiah, you would automatically, if somebody asked you the question, what is it that we should know about the Messiah, they would immediately respond with, well, he's the son of David. And it would almost be like you didn't even have to think about it. You could just say it. It's the party line. What Jesus is wanting to challenge him with with this question is, is he wants us to go beneath the surface. He just doesn't want us to utter the party line. He wants us to think about what you believe. He wants us to think about what you've embraced. He wants you to give you some thoughts about it. Because that really is the essence of faith. Faith is not just on the surface. Faith has to go beneath the surface and embrace it. Why do I say something like that? Well, okay, so think about the last two songs that we sang. Both of those songs acknowledged in their, and the situations in both songs are different, but they basically acknowledged the hardship of life, but yet embracing God. Hardship of life, but embracing God because of God's acceptance and love, okay? Why don't you listen to me for a moment? If all you do is embrace a party line where you just, oh yeah, I believe Jesus is the Lord, yeah. I believe I'm saved. Yeah, you don't go beneath the surface of that in your faith. When junk happens, when hardship happens in life, and trust me, it will, there is going to be hardship. If all you've got that you're embracing is a party line, you're going to have a crisis of faith when you go through that problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? And a lot of times, people will walk away. Now think about it. It's pretty significant that Jesus is raising this question with them. Because they've embraced a party line that he's the son of David, he's his conquering hero, so that 
in a few days from this time when he speaks, when they present, Pilate presents him, beaten up, crown of thorns on his head, what shall I do with him? The same group that he's talking to right now is going to cry what? Crucify him. Because he doesn't fit the party line. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's wanting us to go beyond just the party line of what we believe. Do you understand what I'm saying? He wants you to go beyond just the party line. He wants you to really examine what it is. In fact, that's the next point here. He's, what is he doing? Serious, he's telling him this. Seriously consider what the scripture tells us. Look at what he says there. He asks them this question. Verse 41. Then in 42, look at what he says. Now David himself said in the book of Psalms. What's he doing? He's directing them right to the scripture to the book of Psalms, and then he reads them this passage. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore David called him Lord. How is he then his son? What's Jesus doing here? Jesus is wanting them to wrestle with what the scripture says so that they could be strengthened in their faith. So let me ask you a question. You wrestled with what the scripture says? Or are you just buying a party line? Have you seriously considered from the Bible what you believe? Or are you just espousing a party line, what some preacher told you a long time ago? What your mama said or your grandmama said? Did you know what I mean? Have you considered it yourself? This is the reflection he's going on here because a lot of times when I wrestle with it and I see it for myself in the Bible, my faith is strengthened. I'm able to hold on to it in, in the midst of the difficulties. In fact, let me, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. I'm, I've been a Christian now for 28 years. It's been over 28 years now. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, didn't go to church, didn't read my Bible. In fact, when I got saved, I had to borrow a Bible. And it was my dad's Bible, and he didn't even use it. And in those beginning years of my faith and walk with Christ, I could espouse the party line. I could tell you what I believed. Because it's what I was taught to believe. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Maturity came when I wrestled with the Scripture and it became my own conviction because the Holy Spirit showed it to me. This is what Jesus is talking about here. You and I have to go beyond just embracing a party line. We need to seriously consider what the Scripture is telling us. So he's asking them this question. So, okay... How can he be the son of David if David's calling him his Lord? Because, okay, let me help you to understand the culture. Again, it's, it's a Middle Eastern culture, still somewhat today, where dad is at the top of the totem pole. And the sons, no matter what you think about dad, pay dad respect, always. And dad is always superior. That is the culture of the Middle East, even to this day. It's a patriarchal system. We don't understand that in our American culture. 
But that's the culture of Jesus' time. So here Jesus is raising this question that they've really got to seriously wrestle with. If he's the son of David, why is David calling the Messiah his Lord? You've got to wrestle with that, Jesus is saying. You've got to think about that. You've got to think about it. Why? Why does he want to do that? Because here's the point. Grasp that he's more than just a human. This is the point that Jesus is wanting to make with those folks. This is the point that you and I have to understand as we wrestle with more than just buying the party line. As we wrestle with God, as we wrestle with Him in our lives, as we wrestle with Jesus and who He is and what He's done for us. He's more than just some human being who got put on a cross. And He's using a text of Scripture here That's messianic, but also points to the fact that he's more than just a human. He's God. He's God. See, here's the thing. When you wrestle with it and you go beyond the party line, you begin to understand and embrace in your life that this Jesus who died for you is your God. That he loved you. That he died for you. This is what he wants us to reflect upon. See, we've got to go beyond just the party line in our lives, folks. But then he offers a warning. Because it can be so dangerous for you and I. What do you mean? Because here you are, you could say, okay, yeah, George, I want to go beyond the party line. I want to, I want to, to be all that God wants me to be. Now here's what we do though. We look for easy answers in how to do that. And what we do is because, especially for you and I as Gentiles, Greek thinking is what the Bible would call it. Is, is that we want somebody to give us ten easy steps to know how to do it. You ever notice that? Don't we buy books like that? The best-selling Christian books are ten easy steps to having a Christian lawn. You know, I'm serious. That's almost like what it is. How to beat your kids ten easy ways. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. You know, the, the reality is, listen to me, is we want someone who can just simply tell us what we need to do. But that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is not easy. Walking with God is not easy. But what we've got to be aware of is, is that what we do, because of our tendency to want the easy, is that we look to others who look spiritual. Who look like they got their act together. Do you know what I'm talking about? And Jesus wants to warn us Against the religiously self-righteous. So look at what he says here. Look with me. Look at the warning. Verse 42 through, excuse me, verse 45 through 47. Then in the hearing of all the people, he said to the disciples. So he wants everybody to hear him. First, beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes. Love greetings in the marketplace. Best seats in the synagogues. Best places at feasts. Who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive their greater condemnation. Here's what he's saying. First of all, be be careful of the spiritually self-righteous. 
Be careful. Here's the thing, because we want it to be easy, we want, we, we want to know how it is. What we do is, is because we're human beings, we look at spirituality based on appearance, on the outward. Have you noticed that? You ever noticed that? What we do is, is we, we measure things not based upon what they think or, what, or what they're, what's truly in their hearts because we can't see that. You, you know what I mean? Like even now, I'm like, I, I may look at you and, and have, I can see every one of you here and interact with you as I'm speaking, but I really don't know what's going on in your mind. I mean, you could be thinking about the baseball game or what's up at McDonald's afterwards, okay? But I don't know that, but you're smiling, and I may be thinking, oh, yeah, they're enjoying the message. Do you know what I'm saying? What we do is we judge everything on the outward appearance. And we do that, especially in the area of spirituality. And if it looks like somebody's got their act together, we think that's the example to follow. But what Jesus is telling us here, listen to me, that Jesus is warning us to be careful of the spiritually self-righteous. And here's what he's going to tell us about them. Number one, he's going to tell us they're posers. What do you mean? They're interested in promoting themselves. They're posers. You know what a poser is, right? Look at me. Okay? They're, they're all about themselves. So he says, they dress in long robes. So they got the nicest duds on. Okay, they don't buy, they don't shop at Walmart or JCPenney's. They go to the mall in State College and buy their clothes at some exclusive place. At least around here they would. Okay? You know, they, they, look at what it says. They, they love to be recognized in the marketplace. Hello, Pastor so-and-so. You know, hello, brother so-and-so. They want to be recognized. Look, look at what else Jesus says. They love prominent seats. It's like if there's a feast, they want to be near the head of the table. They, uh, in our church, it would be like the first person picked to go eat. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Everybody relates to that, right? What are they doing? They're posing. Beware of, uh, beware of religiously self-righteous people because, look, if you're not wanting to embrace the party line and you're wanting to go deeper in your faith, don't follow the example of these folks because all they're interested in doing is promoting themselves. It's not raising the banner for Jesus. It's raising the banner for themselves. Look at me. Look at what I'm doing. So they're promoting themselves. Here's, here's what else they're doing. They're ruthless in pursuing their desires. They're ruthless in pursuing their desires. Look, look at what he says there in verse 47. Who devour widows' houses. What do you mean by that? They're eating their house? What are they, they, like Hansel and Gretel? Or like the lady who lives in a, a you know... I mean, what, what are they talking about there, George? Here's what he's talking about. First of all, let me help you understand. In their culture, the most destitute in their culture were two people, the widows and the orphans, bottom line. They were the most 
destitute in their culture. The widows and the orphan were at the bottom of the food chain. They were the destitute. They, were, they had nothing. If, for instance, if a widow had no children to take care of her, she had no one to provide for her. And what these guys would do is, is they would look, I mean, these Pharisees is basically who he's talking about here. They were the middle class. They maybe wanted this widow's property because that's all she had was her house. And they would do whatever it took to take it. They didn't matter to her that she was a widow. They would ruthlessly, they would ruthlessly do whatever it took to take it from her. What are they doing? Pursuing their desires for greed. Now that's their example. What does that mean for you and I? You know what? I've been in church a long time now. I told you I've been saved for 28 years. I've been in churches and I've seen the self-righteous do what it took ruthlessly in the lives of others for their own benefit. You know what I'm talking about? We've seen it, right? Be careful of that, Jesus is saying. Don't follow their example because they look good, because they look spiritual, because they look like they got their act together, because all they're doing it for is what? Themselves. And they don't care about who they're stepping on. They don't care. He says one more thing about them. Hypocrisy will only bring a greater judgment. Hypocrisy. That's really what it's talking about here. It will only bring a greater judgment. Here they are. They think they've got their act together, but they really don't because they're on, listen to me, they're on the prefaces of a major difficulty in their life. They think they're okay, but they're not. And Jesus singles them out for a greater condemnation. See, it's okay, Drew, wait a minute, hold on a second. He starts off talking about that we need to be reflective of who he is. Think about it, just don't embrace the party line. Then he warns us about these guys. What's the point? The point is, is you've got to own your own faith. You've got to own your own spiritual life. You've got to live your own life for Jesus. You can't just embrace a party line, oh yeah, 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 and then have it taken out from under you when the crisis or whatever, because you don't really understand. You've got to examine the scriptures yourself, own it, but you also need to be careful of following the examples of other people that you think got their act together. Because it may be that they're just putting on a show. And they're going to lead you into a path of destruction as they're heading there themselves. It's pretty tough, isn't it? Isn't that? This is what Jesus is wanting us to do. See, here's the thing, folks. Here, here's the thing. This is what, you know, when I'm reading this, this is what Jesus is saying to George. Hopefully you'll grasp this. He's saying to George, George, why do you believe what you believe? Do you own it? Have I shown it to you through your word, or are you just buying what somebody else told you? George, why are you living the way you're living? Whose example are you following? Is it a self-centered example that's going to bring condemnation? 
Or are you living the way that I want you to live? Because you've examined, you know who I am, you're following me with your life. Why are you doing what you're doing? This is the thing he's wanting us to grasp here today. So you say, okay, George, how do, how do we apply it to our lives? Well, I'll give you two thoughts and a, an action point. First one's this. Why are you here? Why are you here? I mean, that's the basic question, but that really gets to the heart of the matter. Why are you here? Well, I'm here today because this is where my family came. No. It's got to be a little bit more than that. Why, why, why come to a church? Why, why come? Because most people don't come. I think the statistics in Clearfield County is is only 40% of the county goes to church. What's, what's your reason for coming? You gotta, you, is it for you? I mean, because it could be for you. And, and being for you could be to look good with mom or dad or grandma. Do you know what I'm saying? It, it, what, what's the reason why you're here? Is it for you? Or is it for God? For Jesus? Why, why are you here? See, is it the party line? Are you following the example of someone else? This is a good question to wrestle with. Well, why, why are you here? Here, here's the second one. Is it all about you? Is it all about you? Or is it about Jesus? See, this, this, can I be honest with you? That's the separation between maturity and immaturity. When you're immature, it is all about you. When you mature in Christ, you begin to realize it's not about you at all. It's not about what you want anymore in life. It's about what Christ wants in life. So coming in here today, is, is it a, why are you here? Is it, is it all about you? That's a good question to ask. Those are things to wrestle with. See, that's, when you wrestle with those kind of questions, that's going to get you beneath the party line, isn't it? It's going to get you beneath the party line where you begin to wrestle with the Scriptures and you begin to wrestle with, okay, God, huh. I need to deal with some stuff. But see, you've got you gotta to you go beyond just, oh, yeah, I believe. And you've got to wrestle with Him in the Scripture. So here's your action point. Here's what you need to do. Ask the Spirit to help you find true spirituality in Jesus. Ask the Spirit to find true spirituality in Jesus. True spirituality is you in your relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, because He died for you. And you follow Him. Did you understand what I'm saying? This is the point Jesus is trying to get us to. Think about it. Reflect on it. 
Don't just buy the party line. And be careful of whose example you're following. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.